Episode 4, RV8 Podcast. I want to send a shout out to the Cuzos, Richia and Sedan, and Wesley, and Bree, and Jalen, and Andrea. And though I've been distant from all of you, because I'm here and you're there, you guys are in my thoughts constantly, and you're in my prayers quite often. I want to congratulate Bree on her beautiful baby girl, and I wish all of the good things in the world happen to you. I love you very much. And for this one, I had to go on the road, specifically to the distant land of Westwood and the estate of my dear friends, Anthony and Kayla Cantu, fellow cinephiles and aspiring entrepreneurs. In this particular podcast, we will discuss who's up next, if it's possible for anyone to be next, why The Rock might be the foremost action star for the next decade and a half, if not longer, without any kind of formal opposition. And most importantly, we'll be looking at the movie Battleship and breaking down why star vehicles such as that tend not to work for the people that Hollywood tries to push. I apologize for whatever sound inconsistencies there may be. Believe me, we were we were <laughs> we were trying to get it as on point as we could. I mean, you know, but just starting out on this podcast, man. Give me a break. I don't mean to sound bitchy, but you know what I mean? Anywho, my name is Eli. Thank you for listening. Let's get started. And here we go. Two of my nearest and dearest friends, the Cantus, Anthony and Kayla. Uh, we just got done watching Battleship, and it is, to me at least, just as bad as it was all those years ago. Um, for the record, we had like a conversation in the last episode about what it takes to be the biggest star in the world, and the reason why I wanted Battleship to be the focal point was because of just the push of Taylor Kitsch and what that was in 2012, it was? Yeah. Um, But before we get to any of that, I just kind of wanted to introduce you to and just who you are and what you do in this city. Just like any other guest of this show, we kind of have the backgrounds of the people that I bring on. So whoever wants to go first. All right, yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for having us on. It's uh, it's an honor and a pleasure. Um, Eli has been a good friend of ours for uh, for a long time, and um, we always love to talk uh, to talk and chop it up about movies, all all sorts. So uh, yeah, my name is Anthony Cantu, and uh, my wife Kayla and I are uh, screenwriters uh, here in Los Angeles, and um, we're also uh, entrepreneurs. We've been building a, a business for the last uh, couple years, a website for screenwriters. And uh, it's gonna launch pretty soon, so we're looking forward to uh, to getting that out there. Hi, I'm Kayla. Yep, and you pretty much said it all. Yeah, uh, you are also a screenwriter, correct? Yes, I am. What kind of films do you do in terms of your screenwriting? Well, we kind of like to write everything, um, which is always a problem. Um, but lately, we've been focusing on sitcoms. Um, so we like comedy and we do like action adventure as well. Mm. And 
The other thing we're working on right now is a horror story. So it's a limited series. So we're gonna see how that works out. But. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a horror mystery thriller that's been gestating for quite a while. And um, we recently had a couple of I guess you could say breakthroughs in terms of the story, hmm. uh, as it were. And so we're we're pretty excited to try something a little different. Safe to say you wouldn't be writing a film such as this one, right? Like, no. this would not really be in your forte. I mean, look, I mean, if the price was right, I mean, who am I to say no? <laughs> you know, if somebody was like, hey, we're going to pay you to adapt a movie based on a board game, fill in the blank, whatever the board game, I mean, you know. I mean, it's what you do as artists, right? Like, you just roll with the punch. You are pretty much a mercenary at the end of the day. I, I've always... I've always marveled at movies like Battleship because I know it wasn't somebody's initial idea. It's mm. the kind of movie that a writer of something else is brought into a room with and they say, hey, what kind of writer are you? Are? Oh, I write, you know, I've had an action film. So great, here's what you're doing. You know what I mean? Here's right. not what you're going to do, but here's what you will be doing right. from here on in. The background of this movie is always something that flabbergasts me. You just told me that... Jeremy Renner was presented with this role, which I didn't know in all of my research. Given that Jeremy Renner was, you know, offered every single role underneath the sun in the early 2010s, this is not shocking, but Renner is another guy that I briefly mentioned in the last episode about guys who had this push to be the biggest star and to be the guy, as I like to call it. I came up with three guys who were undisputedly the guy. And it was Harrison Ford from 77 to like 86. Then it was Cruz from hmm. 86 to 96. Interesting. And then it was Will Smith from 97 to 2008. And then from 2008, it kind of broke off because... That's when Will Smith took his four-year hiatus. He was gone for like, from post post seven pounds, right? Seven like, pounds, and then the next one was Men in Black Three. All those years later, yeah. And by the time he came back, yeah, he was still Will Smith, but he wasn't nearly as the like the I Am Legend kind of. This is a Will Smith movie back off of this release date kind sure, of. Sure, sure, yeah. So. After 2008, there is this void of half-court Hail Mary shots. And we went over them. I think I have the list here. Um, <laughs> it's a long list. I came up with 11 people in 11 different situations. In my, I guess my question for either of you is, what does it take, in your opinion, to be the biggest movie star in the world? What do you have to have? So I mean, when you so you the first one you brought up was Harrison Ford, which is interesting. So you're you're talking about from, from the first Star Wars ending with what frantic, or witness. Well, like what's what was the end of that? I would say the end of it, in all technicality, was '89 with Last Crusade. Okay, but by that point, Cruz had come along and just took over. Sure, it doesn't have to have a definitive endpoint. It's when the next guy comes along is when your run is over. Right. And, like, with Cruz, we think his run lasted a lot longer because of who he is, 
But man, that slump that he hit at the end of the '90s is very noticeable with Valkyrie and Night and Day and stuff like that. Well, and it really it really took. I mean, I mean, Mi Three brought him back, but then post Mi Three, you had Valkyrie and Night and Day, you know, which were were just not as good. Hmm. But yeah, but there was, I mean, yeah, there there was a six or seven year gap there for sure when, when he was a little bit, you know, dark. I mean, he had you know Last Samurai and and some other kind of. And like lions for lambs, and like magnolia. In a supporting role, like yeah, yeah. yeah. It so was. I have a question though. You're talking about like people who basically can bring blockbusters, right? Like they can sell a blockbuster, right? Yeah. Okay, so. Without circumstance, like it's your face. Period. We don't have to put anything but your face on a poster, and it'll sell in Japan. And I think Harrison Ford only fits that bill because of the franchises that he was in. Like, Indiana Jones and Star Wars gets your face out there. And Mark Hamill kind of wasn't the guy from Star Wars to break out. Neither was Carrie Fisher, for that matter. Yeah, True, yeah. I would yeah. argue, though, with Harrison, though, it might have been Star Wars that launched him. But I think it was his charisma that kept him going. People like to watch him. Mm-hmm. Very true. So that's my answer to the question, is I think it takes charisma. So, when I think of guys like Tatum, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is he lacking in that department? Not at all. Is LaBeouf mm-hmm. lacking in that department? Well, the thing about Shia LaBeouf, what's interesting is is that I don't think anybody in the world had any clue how good of an actor he really was. Mm. I think that, like, you know, we came up on Even Stevens and, like, you know, this... Like, this this, this In holes and this kind of, like... Teenage, like, goofy kid, right? And then, like, I, I remember watching Disturbia when it came out and being like, huh, like, the, first of all, the movie's better than I thought it was ever going to be. But he's actually pretty good in it, and he's holding his own against David Morse, you know, in multiple scenes. And with that first Transformers movie, like, it just, it's, I'll go out and say, it, the first Transformers movie is a great movie, and he's a big part of it. You know, he's a big part of why the movie is so good. But even then, though, it was just like, Okay, like, he's just Shia LaBeouf, he's being Shia, but whether or not he was ever supposed to be the guy or a superstar, I don't think anybody had any idea how good of an actor he was. I mean, you look at Fury and some of these other movies, and there's there's real talent there. There's real depth. Sure. Far, far beyond just being a pretty boy at the top of a blockbuster. Definitely. I, I, I do think when you come around to guys who have, you know, the ability to have a 30-year career... I think that's a separate list. And hmm. I, I, in making the list of the guy, I came up with three. And it's just like, well, what about Eddie Murphy? Or right. what about, uh, like, Clooney? Or, or DiCaprio? Or somebody like that. Sure. And, I mean, though those guys can be, you know, global phenomenons within themselves... I'm just talking about a run where it was just unstoppable. That yeah. seven, eight-year stretch of Will Smith is really ridiculous. There's just nothing, yeah. the amount of staggering hits, one after another after another. I mean, if you take if you take Wild Wild West out of it, it's he's batting a hundred. You know, you know what I mean. He's batting three hundred. Like it's just. It's nothing but just smashes. For I, I think seven it's years. actually a higher percentage than that. It was it was more of a of a just the early two thousands were dominated by him in a way where 
Cruz was still there and Hanks was still around, but it's just like, when you look at Tom Hanks, it's not like you're thinking biggest movie star in the world, though you may be wrong. I just kind of look at guys like Hanks and Smith and being like, they weren't chosen by studios to be the guy. Right. The people made them the guy. So I actually think that you've changed my mind a little bit. I think it's three things. I think it's charisma, right? So the person, first of all, people have to really like the person. They have to like the person on screen and all that. But then I think that they have to surprise us with real talent. Mm, yeah. Is the second thing. Yeah. Because all of those people have real talent where they've had scenes where we go, they you know, where it really impacts you. And I think the third thing is they choose great projects. And somebody like Tom Hanks is like, I mean, Tom Hanks was the goofy, funny guy. He was in a lot of comedies before Philadelphia. Yeah. Before he won those back-to-back Oscars. When you think of Philadelphia, it's such a change of course from what he did. You would think that he'd just be respected, dramatic actor guy, but then... You know, something like Catch Me If You Can comes along. Something like The Terminal makes $100 million. Sure. And you're just like, there's a support system there for anything this guy does. Now, I mean, it wasn't Will Smith, though. So I can't sit there and say that he was comparable if it wasn't a Spielberg thing. His Spielberg projects are Will Smith level. But Will Smith was taking I Am Legend... Directed by Francis Lawrence. He's with a dog. He's by himself. Right. $500 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Hitch, he's with Kevin James. It's a romantic comedy. Nobody really knew Kevin James aside from the TV show. $400 million. That was the... And, and really, Kevin James owes a lot to Will Smith because that was his break into movies. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, if you want to talk about like before TV was sexy like it is now... You know, I mean, Kevin James being a sitcom star, you couldn't have asked for a better leg up into feature <laughs> films than being in a romantic comedy with Will Smith. We came across, uh, I came across, I'm referring to myself in third person again. I came across this idea of having a moment in which the star has been anointed, mm. like a scene, a thing that happens where you just kind of know. And then. With the next movie, you're like, okay, that's the guy. Yeah. I'm not a Star Wars aficionado, but I tend to think that in Empire Strikes Back, when Leia says, I love you, and Han Solo replies with, I know. I know. It's the kind of swagger thing that I kept hearing people say that Alden Einrich didn't have. Just asshole-ish star power. Yeah. And then Tom Cruise was in Risky Business and lip sank in his underwear. And that was the thing for him. Yeah. And then Will Smith punched out an alien and welcomed him to Earth. And that was his thing. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then it was the... Because that's, exact, that's exactly what I was thinking, is the welcome to Earth. And then it was just the, the ensuing frustration as he's dragging the alien through the desert it's and that just whole sequence. yelling to yeah. himself and cursing out. And it's just like, I mean, it's, I, I, I remember it forever. I remember that scene so well, Will Smith punching the alien. And I mean, I'm in Kent six, the oh. long since extinct Kent six. I missed that theater. And I remember that place going ballistic when he punched that alien. And I just knew that's the dude who's that's, the king. That's it. That's right what it there. looks like. And so we go 
all the way to 2008 and Will Smith is gone. I mean, he released seven pounds at the end of 2008, but something happened in 2008. Fucking Heath Ledger shows up in a clown suit. He does a magic trick. And I'm like, that would be the guy. If he had something big to follow that. Yeah. The way that performance has been celebrated, it's not because he's dead. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix just won an Oscar for playing the Joker. And people are still like, nah, silver medal. I mean, you know, he earned the Oscar and it's not close. But no, he's not that. No, he's not. Is there anybody this decade that has had a moment? I don't know. I mean, the thing... The thing about Heath is, is like, if you really only had 10 years, you know, if, if we're to believe that his career started with 10 Things I Hate About You, which for us American audiences is certainly when it began in 1998, Heath had 10 years. And in between then, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a couple misses, but there's a lot of him just being that kind of like goofy, affable, you know, attractive, charismatic guy. And the thing about the Dark Knight and the thing about the Joker is just like every actor who's ever played Batman, by the way, when he was announced as the Joker, people weren't excited about it. I sure wasn't. They were not stoked because they didn't see it. We didn't see it. How could we have, you know? I'm I'm telling you right now, I was the first dude in line. I've, I've made such critical mistakes out here. Like, I thought Daniel Craig would be a bad James Bond. Like, I thought Brandon Ruth would, like, would be a good Superman. Like right. I was out here saying, "Yo, you got the dude from Brokeback Mountain to play the Joker." I'm out here campaigning about Robert Pattinson doing the same thing, and I hope I'm wrong. You I, know what you're, I mean? You're completely wrong. Okay. Robert Pattinson is a lot better than what people think. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. But like, but the, so the thing about Heath is, it's just like nothing, nothing in his repertoire prepared us for how good he was going to be, or should I say, how bad? Because he's such a good villain, you know, and he's such a straight up villain in that movie. That it's like, we had no idea how good he was going to be. And and you talk about him being the next big thing, and I think you're right. But I'm also curious, and hindsight's 2020 because we don't know. But I wonder if there's a part of him where people would not have been able to look past that. Past how good he was at playing villains and how good he was at playing unhinged. You know, I don't know if you could. He had broke I don't back. Know if, he had broke back before that and got an Oscar nomination. Right, yeah. right. But I'm just saying like... Between Brokeback and After the Dark Knight, I don't know if people would have looked at him the same way. If they'd have been like, "Oh yeah, he's our he's he's our leading man," you know, he's he's our King Arthur or whatever. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is name a wider range than Brokeback Mountain to The Dark Knight. This guy can do anything. This guy can play the bee on the front of Honey Nut Cheerios box, and it would be, <laughs> you know, Oscar worthy. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I haven't seen an action guy portray that type of range that wasn't, you know, Nicolas Cage, who was a dramatic actor, or, or, or you know, Keanu Reeves, who was a dra- dramatic actor before they became the biggest action star because of a franchise. Was Keanu a dramatic actor? Because I don't know if we can... <laughs> he, was, he was in Dracula. He was in... Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he was... He was in Sweet November. What we would like to classify as acting. I'm not sure that's what Keanu was doing. I mean, but he was doing films like that. You know what I mean? He was getting roles. I don't know if he was... I mean, fair enough. (laughs) I found the list. This is the list of guys that had... Taylor Kitsch, Taylor Lautner, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, 
Aaron Taylor Johnson, Jai Courtney, Sam Worthington, Brandon Ruth, Hayden Christensen, Alex Pettifer, Zach Efron, huh. Channing Tatum. That's the list I came up with. All guys white dudes. That really got a push in the last decade to zero response. Our biggest stars in the world right now are 45 and up, including The Rock, who I'll get to in a, in a second. But, um, actually, no, I guess I'll just get to The Rock right now. Hmm. The Rock is here. He's our guy. There's no question that he's the biggest international star in the world right now. But is he there because of circumstance? Is he there because of a lack of competition? Is he there because he's got the look and he's got a fan base coming in from wrestling? And I mean, he. I was talking with Anthony not too long ago about this. And I wanted to get your perspective on it, Kayla, where he, I, I asked him, what's the signature moment of The Rock? What's the I'll be back? What's the yippee Kaye? Hmm. Because I don't think there's one. Is there? Um, I'd have to think about that. Um, I will say what you're talking about with The Rock. Nobody does, nobody looks like The Rock. Hmm. I think that's one of the things that, that is his draw. Nobody's, you know, like he's, he's big, his size is not normal, you know, but also he's just, he has a unique look. And I think, um, I think he also has a very positive spirit, which is the other thing that people love about him is he's just so much fun. Absolutely. Hmm. And I think that's what draws people to him as well. Hmm. What did he miss that say Vin Diesel didn't have? Because early 2000s Vin Diesel seemed to be like he was going to be around for 50 years as... I'll give you my answer on that. Oh, yeah. I think Vin Diesel takes himself too seriously. I really? think he actually sees himself as, like, a good actor, and th- that's my opinion. And I think that, like, The Rock doesn't claim to be a good actor. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't strive for those dramatic roles. The mm. only time we've yeah. ever seen him be somewhat dramatic, at least me, was in San Andreas... When he's, like, worried about his family. Yeah, of all point. movies, yeah. And I was like, oh, The Rock can actually act. Or or, like, or, like, in Snitch, when they were trying to convince us that he wasn't, like, some, like, superhero that could fight off five guys, you know? Like, where he's playing a trucker. Yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to wear normal clothes. Like, somehow, five foot ten John Bernthal is more badass than he is in that movie. Like, like John Bernthal's the hard dude from the streets, right? <laughs> John Berthal's talking tough to The Rock, and The Rock's just taking it. I'm like, yeah, I can see it. I understand. Maybe Berthal can land a punch here and there on The Rock. Maybe you can get him. I'm not sure. Maybe that's more of a testament to Berthal to Berthal than it is a shot against The Rock. But I'm just saying, like, so like, wrong with that whole. I look at like The Rock, and I'm just like, would he ever play a villain? Because that's kind of the rite of passage. If you're gonna mm. be the guy, I mean, even Cruz went down that route. The only person in my life that I've ever seen reach a certain zenith without playing a villain at all is Will Smith. His run is over. He is simply big star now. And he's not, I mean, sure, he gets, you know, international cred and everything like that. That hasn't changed, but there's a difference between Rock has Jungle Cruise, Rock has Jumanji. Rock has this. Rock has that. Yeah. Rock's on a TV show. Rock has his own shoes. 
Like Rock, Rock doesn't sleep apparently. No, he does not. <laughs> and it's just like at at that point, I think he's given the kind of things that are going on right now and given how little anybody else had a challenge to that throne, I think he's the guy for the next 10 years or whenever he wants to stop. Is that something that's realistic? Can somebody right now challenge? Is there a person that you think can do action movies that can even come close? The only person that I think could be that guy is Ryan Reynolds. I think he's the only person that has enough charisma and he's liked enough. People like him, they like his personality, he's very fun as well. I think he could be a challenger, but even then we have Six Underground that, well, we don't oh. know if it did well or not. But, cause right, because Netflix, Netflix won't tell us. But <laughs> I love that movie, but... But a lot of people, it was not reviewed well, basically, right. so... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ryan Reynolds is one of those guys where he's he's been there for longer than we want to remember, but it's been about 15 years that he's been around, and and it wasn't until Deadpool that I guess he really became a star, which is weird to think about, but he kind of he kind of has that whole package, and even further than The Rock, where I think he actually has legit acting ability. Yeah, I think he has range. He just doesn't use it very often because oh, we just we we love his sarcastic, dry humor personality so much. But, I mean, if you've ever seen something like Buried, which is, I consider, one of the most underrated movies ever. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's it's him just being the opposite of what we expect him to be. Mm-hmm. And with Reynolds, I'm always worried, if it's just straight-up action and you're not cracking jokes, how charismatic are you? How charismatic are you? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's all we've seen is yeah. action comedy guy. Yeah. You've always made the complaint about them forcing females into these action positions where you're like, if she punched him, it wouldn't hurt, right? Yeah. And I always think of Charlize Theron as a person that's doing movies where she's shooting a gun outside of, like, Atomic Blonde, which, you know, kind of did that. But I'm saying, like, she has the physicality where it's believable. Yeah. And... I agree with that. Does it have to be the guy? Can it be a woman who... Inhabits at least. Uh, I mean, if we're if The Rock's gonna be the guy for the next ten years, is there a woman that can stand next to him and be equally as bankable to an international audience in action films? Well, again, if I'm going off of my own uh, template here for what constitutes for the guy, um, I think I mean one of the only people I do see like that is Charlie's Throne. You know, because she has the like. She has the talent, so, like, that's why I think she works as an action star as well, because I feel like it's believable, you know? Like, we were just watching the trailer for (laughs) Megan Fox with this crazy movie called Rogue Oh my gosh, yeah. And I'm like, who cast her? She's, She's the lead in an action film. Megan Fox. This is news to me. Playing, playing a mercenary. Yes. Playing a soldier. A soldier. And I'm like, who in the world cast her to be the lead? As a fight, as a so fighter. she's doing like fight sequences. I mean, she's it's more gun. like yeah, like 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 she's holding an M sixteen and like kicking indoors. Like she's the and one wearing makeup the whole time. By the way, of course, right? Just looking fly. You know what I mean? Like hair Despite perfect under her hat and makeup. And, you know. 
And the fact that the movie is also a creature feature on top of being... Uh, Whoa! Yeah, I know. You gotta, watch this you gotta check it out. What dude. the it's, fuck? It's, it, it's literally one of the worst trailers I've ever seen in my life. And I'm very forgiving when it comes to action movies and especially creature features. But this movie looks awful. <laughs> but anyways, so all that to say, I think that part of the issue is, is that a lot of women are cast because they're pretty. And I think that you you have to also cast by talent. And so that's why another good example um, was... Uh, Emily Blunt? Yes, yeah. Emily Blunt. Emily oh. Blunt is a great example. Yep. Emily Blunt has charisma. She's dope. She's also a very, very talented actress. And she's chosen well on yes. her movies. And so you... I mean, I want to watch her. I believe her. She's probably the same size as other actresses. But it's believable to me. And she also put in the effort, you know. It's she amazing how those two movies still have Emily Blunt in this conversation because she hasn't done anything nearly as physical since Sicario and Edge of Tomorrow. But right. people, like, love those so much. People were yeah. so happy to see Emily Blunt be that type. And it just seemed like people were looking for that type of an action heroine that didn't, you know, look like she was out of the swimsuit issue. Right. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Well, and it's really surprising to me that she didn't kind of keep that going. Like, I understand why she wasn't in Sicario too. Like, just story-wise, it didn't make sense. Right. Although, maybe she should have been because the movie wasn't very good. But, like, I, I, it's surprising to me she hasn't done an action movie since. But it is interesting, though, because you're talking about, like, if The Rock is the guy, who is the woman? Because they're both going to be in Jungle Cruise. Which, if life was normal, I think we would have seen by now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Don't and, get me started. And, 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 and far be it for me to put much too much stake in a movie that's based on a, a theme park ride let alone a board game you yeah. know like Battleship that we just watched but hey I'm as far as the rock and Louis Blanco I'm here for it like I I will see that yeah okay I don't know I mean I don't know well I mean we, we, we started this conversation with Battleship and why why do you think that Taylor Kitsch didn't work out ultimately I think when I watch Battleship and when I'm I'm the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, what is he missing? And what is he missing? And then, like, you guys are making, you know, comments along the way that are, you know, critical. Like, she, you mentioned that he doesn't look the same in every angle. I, I know it's such a weird thing to say, but it's like, he has one of those faces that when he, wear, when he has different hair or he, like, I don't know, different angles when, like, of the camera, like, he just doesn't look the same, and it's like, to me, it's uneasy. Which, like we talked about, is why he's really good in Waco, I feel like. Aside from him also being, like, skinnier, because he did that for the role. He's unsettling. But he looking, is very unsettling, yeah. and so I just, I don't know, when I look at him, that's the way I feel. Yeah, he's like he's like the female version of, uh, the male version of Adrian Palicki. Like, if you watch G.I. Joe Retaliation... Like, she's good, and I totally believe her in an action role, but it's like every other angle, I'm like, wait, who's this actress again? Like, it's <laughs> just... the same girl. Like, that's what you're asking. Is right. That same, is that the same girl? I had to ask myself that a few times in this movie. I'm like, wait, is that him? Oh, that is him. Okay. You know? There's these moments where he's supposed to... Where's the, uh, the, the art of war? <laughs> like, that line is just like... The guy is supposed to nail moments like those, where... You know, if he's comedically based, it's fine. The problem I had with Battleship is that if you're going to do things like throw out like old school vets, if you're going to have real life vets, 
then I can only imagine that you're going to take yourself seriously. And the first 20 minutes of this is such a clown show. I'm like, either the whole movie is going to be that or none of it should be that. Yeah. And I pointed out uh, about 20 minutes in when they're starting the naval games, if it just started here, this would make Kitsch look a lot better than the whole chicken burrito stuff, which is a joke that they were so focused yeah. on landing through and through. They took that so seriously. And I think of a movie like Top Gun, which had its moments of, you know, corniness. Yeah. yeah. But the whole time, it's like when, when, when it became about the Navy and stuff like that, it treated itself seriously with the camaraderie. And there wasn't... A soccer game. I mean, there was a volleyball game, but we'd already established. Oh boy, was there a volleyball game? <laughs> <laughs> we still talk about that volleyball game to this day. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just think that we'd already established who Iceman, Goose, and Maverick were as pilots, how serious they were at their job, and we didn't get the serious stuff with Taylor Kitsch in bat- Battleship like we got in John Carter. John Carter, yeah. he shows up, he's brooding, he's kicking ass, he's mugging for the camera, and it's everything you would want him to be. But in Battleship, it's just like you tried to turn him something different. But even in John Carter, I can't think of a moment where you would look at him and say, that's the dude. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's interesting because I feel like it's... I mean, we, we talked about this before, but I, I think we can just say it's, it's not his fault. Like, Taylor Kitsch is perfectly fine you know he's a per- he's a perfectly acceptable actor he's very good at, at certain things that he does and and no actor in his position would have turned down either of these franchises especially not back to back you know so it's certainly not his fault i think he's working with what he's given and and whatever it means i think john carter is a far better film than battleship is there's a lot more going on there and i think he's given more opportunities to show to show some range not not the range that we would hope for you know, as far as that iconic moment goes, but it's it's certainly a better film. It was something like Battleship. I don't know. I just I don't I don't know how these conversations start. Like, do does like does Hasbro come forward first, or is it the studio who approaches Hasbro and is like, hey, we're thinking about making a movie about your game called Battleship? Oh, I bet you it's you so know, much like, more like soulless than even that. I, I bet you <laughs> I bet you there's a whiteboard, right? And they're like, here are all the properties we own. Throwing darts and at And there's it. a guy with like, yeah, like a dart with a plunger at the end. And he's just like covering his eyes and throwing it Tom and Jerry style at the whiteboard. And they're just like, oh, Terminator again? All right, we're going to do it. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Can we get Schwarzenegger? How old is he? All right, cool. Who's there? Uh, let's get the girl from Game of Thrones. Maybe that works. Yeah. Okay, let's she try. She kind of looks like Linda Hamilton. I mean, you know, know, like, you know, right? Short and brunette. And then from there, it goes, who's the guy of the moment? And you're like, hmm, Efron's busy. Kitch is busy. What about Jai Courtney? Is he there? And I think, really, it's just a process of elimination to lead to these kind of projects for actors who, you know, deserve a shot indefinitely. Sure, absolutely. But... I do blame the studios a lot more than I blame them. Aaron Taylor Johnson, around the time Ultron had, he was, you know, he was a guy. And yeah. he won a Golden Globe like a year after Ultron. And it was like, And hey, didn't even get nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. After winning the Globe. That poor guy. Which he shouldn't have won. 
Which is ridiculous. Of course, he, yeah. He would. But I'm saying, like, it's just a soulless process. And the guy that ends up being the guy is never chosen by that process. I can't imagine them thinking, all right, it, we're going with the Fresh Prince. Yeah. I, I mean, cannot imagine that. I mean, but is it, though, like, and that's that's an interesting that's an interesting point because it's like, I mean, how much of it is the person themselves, you know, like the actor's charisma and ability and, and you know, the thousand yard stare and megawatt smile. How much of it is that? And how much of it is it just picking the right project at the right time or ending up in the right thing? You know, I mean, Tom Cruise had Top Gun right at the time, right at the zeitgeist of, of 80s, you know, America, like, I think that was by accident. Like rock and roll and everything. And and there's other guys who surely could have gotten that. It probably wouldn't have been as good or as memorable, you know. But he, he got it at the right time. And, and he took it and he did what he did with it. And it's like if, you know, if if Taylor Kitsch had, had gotten Captain America the year before, instead, who knows? Maybe we'd have a different, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. You know, maybe he would have been Captain America. But I look at Captain America and that wasn't the launching for Chris Evans. Chris Evans is just Captain America. He does something like Knives Out. We're looking at everybody. We're not just looking at him. Yeah. And so maybe it's the age of social media where we don't accept stars like that anymore. Maybe it's like you have your star, I have my star, and he has his. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's just like a list of five. And I guess to kind of close this conversation... uh, who would you pick right now? Who are the guys that you look for right now that if they're in an action movie, you're just on it? Like, you don't have to think twice. I mean, if you're asking me, like... If you're asking me who I think the next guy is and who I'm showing up to see right now... Who are your guys? For the last 20 years, I've seen every Jason's Statham movie. Okay. And I will without knowing the plot. Okay. I'll see anything he's in because he's, in my opinion, even more reliable than The Rock when it comes to action. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there then there are guys when, you know, when you talk about range, when we go more than that, I'll see anything Ryan Reynolds is in. I'll see anything Benicio Del Toro is in. Those are, those are appointment viewing type of guys for me. But, okay. it, but as far as the, as far as the guy who I really think um, who I really think is going to be the next one, I don't see anybody else besides Michael B. Jordan at this moment. In my opinion, he's the Will Smith of our generation. Interesting. And, and I think that he, to like I was talking about earlier, he got his villain role out of the way. You know, he played a very interesting villain. I think that... And he got buff. Congratulations. And You've now got, met two of the criteria. Yes. Get buff, play a bad guy. Get buff, like on play the a villain, be charismatic, have a great smile. And he has all of those things, you know. And I I mean, I saw Hardball in the theaters, you know what I mean, when I was 12. Like, I forgot he was in Hardball. <laughs> he was in Hardball with Keanu, dude. There's a Good weird Lord. thing there where it's like where they kind of crossed early, you know. And, and I'm just saying, if he shows up in John Wick 4... And takes the mantle like I'm not mad at that. Hmm. So I think I don't know. I can't think of anybody else because you know you talked about it. You mentioned Efron. You mentioned LaBeouf. And Efron, I don't think ever could have been the guy. LaBeouf, I think no. is. I think LaBeouf is is Oscar destined. I think that I lean a little bit. I love action movies, but I, I of course love action comedy the most, just because I love to laugh. So I mean, again, obviously The Rock. 
Um, I do like Jason Statham as well. I'd watch pretty much anything he's in. Um, I mean, Will Smith, we just saw Bad Boys 3. Mm. Loved it. Yeah, it was great. awesome. It was a very nice, very needed return to form. Yeah, I'd go to yeah. anything he's in. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and I'd probably say Mark Wahlberg would be my fifth one. Yeah. Wahlberg's an interesting one. Yeah, he's well, he's just, again, he's a fun character. A fun person, so... Yeah, I just feel like I'm drawn to those types of people. Yeah, I mean, well, well Wahlberg's a whole other discussion in and of himself. But there's the, the there's nobody who's cornered that that mid budget market over the last 15 years like Mark Wahlberg has. Like he he stays in that, with the exception of Transformers, he stays in that 40 50 million dollar budget range, and they almost always do well. Almost always. Almost yeah. always oh, do well. And sorry, I have to add this. Chris Hemsworth is becoming that person. So, I don't know. I just tend to think that whenever movies do come back, we're in a really weird state where we have to have the next guy on deck. Or we're just... Or it's just going to be The Rock having a McDonald's type of (laughs) presence over this business for the foreseeable future. And I, I don't know if studios are looking at it that way. Once again, I would like to thank Anthony and Kayla Cantu for taking time out of their day and being so hospitable, giving their thoughts and their insights. It's always good to chat it up with those two. And by the way, maybe I'm like a little late in the game, but I do feel the need to bookend all of this by saying that these are just observations. Like in no way do I need to shit on people that I think is trash in some way, shape or form. That is not the case, especially with this episode. I feel it's a necessity to say. Also, uh, if I did get anything wrong statistically or technically, feel free to look it up yourself and possibly judge for yourself. I don't mean to sound bitchy or anything when I say that. Let me know if I got anything wrong if you see me and you're listening to this. I am learning as I go here. Um, Again, shout out to the people at Third Wheel Podcast Studio. Wilshire Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, for all your insight and help in making me go along with this thing. Thank you all for listening, and you've made it to the next episode.